All right, so we are back in Romans today. Um, we are Romans chapter 6, and I, I really enjoy Romans. Now, it's, it's also Paul, so Paul kind of talks about the same thing over and over again in a little bit different ways. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the Greek doesn't translate over exactly uh, to where it flows <laughs> normally uh, for us. And uh, so it can be challenging, uh, but it's a, a vital letter that we understand um, because it really does lay out a, a worldview that we should have because of what we have experienced in Christ. Um, and, you know, we, we started all of this because, um, I mean, as you know, for the last uh, year and a half, couple of years, I've, Romans chapter one has definitely influenced my thinking because Romans chapter one is where Paul kind of lays out when, what happens when a society, uh, which is made up of individuals. So when enough individuals start to, to believe in an ideology that is not godly, here's what starts to happen, Right. And I believe that we're there. You know, the, some of those uh, things in Romans chapter one, it says when start giving up the truth for a lie, starts uh, start saying things like uh, whenever you're given over to a depraved mind, right, that you're deceived. And then it lists all of the s- signs and symptoms of that. You know, the, the murder, malice, strife, envy, all of those uh, things, sexual uh, perversion, all of that is a sign that you're headed in the wrong direction, right? And so then Paul kind of lays that out, and then he starts saying, this is what we need to do, right? That, that's where the, the world is going, and if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, we actually can go down that road, right? And, and so he uh, spent a lot of time about, um, you know, Romans 3.23, we talked about that. All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So he spends a lot of time, making sure we understand we're all in this together. No one is, is favored above anyone else. Right? He talks about the Jews and the Gentiles and, and how all of that works. And, and you know, there's definitely some times you can tell that Paul is getting a little frustrated at the stupid questions that people keep asking. You know? and, and, uh, and so he just keeps hammering it that, hey, all of us are sinful. Yes, the Jews are special because they have the law. But that doesn't mean that they're more special than the Gentiles who don't have the law, right? You know, so he's just kind of going back and forth with that. And at the end of chapter five, he starts to kind of um, hit on another uh, common, you know, uh, I guess, uh, stupid uh, question is, well, if we're covered by grace, does that mean that we can just sin as much as we want to? Right. And Paul's like, I mean, you can nearly feel the exasperation. Of course not. Right? And, and we're going to see more of that in uh, Romans chapter six as well. Uh, but Romans actually has more of a, a lot of these phrases that you've probably heard of that you didn't realize were in Romans. Right? All have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Today, wages of sin is death. Gift of God is eternal life. Right? Those are very common um, uh, verses that the people may not even re- realize, oh, that's from Romans. Yes. And then, you know, we'll get to Romans eight twenty eight is another one. There's all kinds of these that really give a good picture of what it's like to be a follower of Christ. And so Romans chapter six, kind of what it's laying out, if you will, is, is a, a change in worldview. 
that when you enter into this relationship with Christ, your worldview should change. Right? It, it, should, it should be different. And it's important for all of us to understand we all have certain worldview, kind of the way that we see the world. Um, and, and it's kind of hard to nail down exactly what that, that is, but all of us kind of come from a, 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 a starting place, if you will. And we kind of see everything through those lenses. And, and that there, it's impacted by all kinds of different things. It can be impacted on your experiences. Your worldview can kind of shift and morph and expand, you know, throughout your, your life, depending on what happens um, in your life. The most important part about it is we need to understand that we all have a worldview that impacts the way that we see the world, which impacts the way that we live in the world. And if, if, if we are not conscious of that, then a worldview is going to be given to you. <laughs> and it, it probably won't be a healthy one. And, and, and things have definitely uh, changed because the, the place where the worldview starts, obviously, is whenever you're a kid, right? And within your family. And that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But that, that used to be the main influence um, on us was our family. Um, you know, I can remember, you know, gr- growing up. I mean, it's not like I grew up in the Stone Ages, right? It wasn't that long ago. But, and, and we had media, you know, you had television and stuff like that. And I remember my parents telling me, okay, here are the things that you can watch. Here are the things you can't watch. And they actually had some legitimate control over that. Now, we all know that you're, you're, you're going to be able to go over to that friend's house who doesn't have those rules and you can watch something you're not supposed to, right? We, we all know that. But when I was growing up, it, you, could, you could kind of have a little bit more control. That's, that's changed. That's out the window now, right? right? And, and I think it's important that we at least acknowledge that. That and and this doesn't mean that you don't put limits and try to put put some barriers. You better, but know that worldviews are being pounded on us from all different angles now. Right? I mean, it, it's it, it's nearly impossible. You know, whenever I was growing up, my parents didn't have to worry about me getting on a phone and going to a website and finding out all kinds of things that I shouldn't be looking at. Right now. That that does happen now. And so it, it's it's important to understand that our worldviews are constantly being impacted. And you can either have a worldview that's based on God or you can have a worldview that's based on the world. And you better be aware of which one you have. And and th- and I, I believe that Romans chapter six kind of speaks to this idea. So we're going to start, we're going to read it in in sections, but we're going to get all the way through chapter six. So starting off, we're going to read the first 10 verses. It says uh, in Romans chapter six, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? (laughs) By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. All right, so let's stop there for just a, just a moment. All right, so basically what, what Paul is saying here is he's saying when you truly experience uh, the forgiveness and the new life found in Christ, you are now a different person, right? That that, that that sinfulness within you that you were a slave to, and he's going to elaborate on that more and more as we as he continues. But that is now in the past. You are now looking at things differently. Now, does that mean that you're not going to be tempted to that life of sin? Of course not. You're still going to be tempted. But you start to have a new perspective. You recognize, okay, that is, that is not the way I need to live or want to live anymore. Right? I need to start moving in a different direction. Now, but it, it can be hard. It doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, you can look at this with, with addictions and things like that. You know, the first step for someone who is addicted is to recognize that what they're doing is not healthy. Does that mean that they're not going to keep doing it? No, <laughs> right? They, they, they may still do it, but you have to at least recognize your perception has to change. Perspective has to change. So you say, you know what? It's not good that I'm, you know, putting whiskey in my coffee in the morning to start off the day, right? You, you have to, <laughs> some people are like, oh, gosh. <laughs> 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 no, but you at least at least you you have to get to that point where you recognize, okay, this is not the life that I need to be living. And guess what? I am a slave to that life. Right? So now I've got to change my perspective because that is now dead. Christ has covered that. So now I need to start living a different way. Right? And and it is that's the first part of this is our perspective has to change because without our perspective changing and our understanding of that changing, our actions never will, right? The first thing is it has to change up here that you recognize, whoa, man, look at what I was a slave to. Now I need to be uh, focused on how I'm living in response to what God has done for me. You know, I, I think, and for Paul, he, he's kind of like, you, you can, Tell he's kind of exasperated with this question. Are we, can we just go on sinning now? And he's like, no, morons. You know, you're a new person. Why would you go back to the slop? It's kind of like the, the um, wonderful story uh, that Jesus tells, the parable of, of the prodigal son. Right? We know that story. The prodigal son takes the, the inheritance, leaves squanders it, lives however he wants to, ends up living with the pigs, right? Because he has nothing else. So he says, well, I'm going to go back. I, at least maybe they'll allow me to, to sit at a table somewhere, right? And he goes and the father just welcomes him, 
throws a, a, a party for him, all of this stuff, you know, and we know the older son and, and everything, but it's just this wonderful picture of whenever the, he woke up and he recognized the slop he was living in, he was like, okay, I, I've got to live a different way. And the father just welcomed him with open arms. Now, just imagine if that story continued on and years later, the, the son is still working on the, uh, the, the land and, and in the relationship with his brother is okay and everything like that. But he's like, you know, that was really fun, that big party. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and squander all my inheritance again and go back and live with the pigs so then I can come back and have another party. Paul would say, no, that's, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. Why would you ever go back to the slop, right? And he says, so no, change your perspective, right? We are now free to live a whole new life, a new life in him. So then we get to verse 11. And this is to me a foundational thought and understanding for uh, uh, for our worldview. So uh, verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Right? So now there's two things in there that just really jump out. It says, do not offer yourselves as instruments of wickedness but rather as instruments of righteousness. Right? And that's a, that's a scary thing at, at first, whenever you think about it, that the way that we live our life, I mean, you know, sometimes things are black and white. The way we live our life, either we are living it as an instrument of wickedness or we're living it as an instrument of righteousness. And, and we don't like thinking about that because, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be wicked. Well, if you are not living in response to what Christ has done for you and in the new life that he has created, that you are now dead to sin, and so you are trying to live in a new way, then you actually are being an instrument for wickedness. And, and I, I, I think about this, and it's, it's important for us to think about this, are we, in the way that we live our lives, are we bringing good into the world or are we bringing evil into the world? Right? And I know there are levels of this, right? <laughs> you know, a serial killer is bringing more evil into the world <laughs> than others. But the reality is, is are we contributing to a, a, an evil worldview or a godly worldview. And, and this, this uh, applies not only to the way that we live ourselves, right? So are you living in a way that is doing good to you, right? You may be a wonderful person, but you are 
you know, you're caught in addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, gossip, whatever it may be, right? Well, that is actually something that is hurting and harming you. Paul would say, no, you're dead to that stuff. You need to be pursuing righteousness, even in, in the things that just involve you. But not only that, the way that we interact with the world around us. We are either uh, instruments of wickedness or instruments of righteousness. So that talk about changing the way you think. So the way that you interact when, with the, the people at HEB, are you being an instrument of righteousness or are you being an instrument of wickedness? <laughs> All of those. And, and it can be overwhelming at first. Right? But if we start to have that understanding, that worldview, that we are instruments for God, but we have to choose to be that instrument. And that's what God is calling us to do. That's what he wants us to do. Uh, that is the natural response to what we have seen, uh, to what we have experienced uh, with him. And so, again, he would say, you are not to be an instrument of righteousness in order to be in a good relationship with God or in order to get to heaven. No, you are an instrument of righteousness because of what God has done for you, that God has put aside that sin and he has killed that sin within you. Right? So now you focus on living a righteous life. That doesn't mean that you're still not going to struggle. Okay. But it should be a little bit different, right? That you're recognizing, no, I need to move away from this lifestyle. I need to move to where I am being an instrument of righteousness, God's righteousness, not an instrument of wickedness. And then the last part, Paul gets into an, another analogy as what we are slaves to, because here's the reality. We are slaves to our worldview, right? All of us are going to be impacted by that. That's going to drive the way that we engage the world around us. So, but we can change it, <laughs> but we have to be aware of it. And we have to make sure that we are being slaves to something that is righteous, not wicked or unrighteous. So starting in verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. There Paul does it again, right? So you can tell he's heard this thing over and over again. And he says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. 
For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul really hammers into this understanding that whatever we obey, right, we are slaves to that. But we can choose who we're going to be slaves to. But if we don't choose, we're going to be slaves to sin. So we have to choose to be slaves to, to God. In fact, what he says is you're either slaves to sin or you're slaves to obedience. I, I, I like how Paul phrases that because what, what we want is we kind of just want a list of things that we're supposed to do. Okay, now I believe in God. You just tell me, here's the behaviors that I, that I need to have, right? Because we want that because then it's like, okay, well, I can live according to that checklist. And you know what? They may forget to tell me some of the things on the checklist. So then I'm okay there, right? So I, I, we want to know exactly, well, what does that mean? Paul is like, no, no. You are now slaves to be obedient to God, whatever that looks like. That now you are viewing your whole life as how am I being righteous? How am I bring, being righteous and bringing that into the world? And it's, it is tough and it's hard. But being a slave to that actually leads to a fulfilled life here and in eternity. If we choose or if we don't choose that, we are going to be slaves to sin, which leads to chaos, leads to destruction, and ultimately leads to separation from God forever. And what many times we we kind of think about this is that God is using a carrot and a stick with a donkey, right? And that, that God is up there. He's trying to get the donkey to move. Right? And so he puts out the carrot, says, look, eternal life, good, good things. Come on, come on, come on. And if the donkey just sits there and says, I don't want a carrot, which would be what any smart donkey would say, why would you want a carrot? Right? Give me at least an apple. It's sweet. And, I, and, and so then, then God, sometimes he has to get the stick. Right? It's like, okay, I'm going to pop you and try to get you to go in the right direction. Neither one of those are really all that accurate as to how God does this. And that last verse really explains this. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What are wages? Wages are things that you have earned. You earn a wage. So it's not that God wants us to experience death. He knows that we earn it. If we are slaves to sin, we earn that path. That is not him doing that to us. That we, we have chosen to be slaves to something that brings death. And sadly, our world today tries to convince us that its view of things is how we experience wonderful life. Right? Just do what do you. Do what makes you happy. Right? Don't, don't let anyone tell you that you're doing something the wrong way. You just be who you are. Guess what? That is being a slave to sin. And the wages of sin, what you earn by choosing to be a slave to that, is destruction, misery, frustration, 
chaos in this life. And yeah, whatever it means to be separated from God forever, you earn that as well. And that's, man, that's, that's scary. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You notice the change there? Is there an earning in a gift? Do you earn a gift? Not really, right? A gift is something that the gift giver just chooses to give you, right? You know, if it's your birthday, did you earn the gifts you received? No, you just happened to be born on that day, right? And people choose to say, hey, I love you and I give you a gift. Right? God says the wages, what we have earned, leads us away from him. But he has given us a free gift that if we choose it, if we choose to become a slave to that gift, that gift of righteousness, right, that then that leads to eternal life. And that's not just talking about heaven. That's talking about having an abundant life here and now. So it is important that we choose who's going to be our master because all of us have one. Are we going to choose to be instruments of this world and instruments of sin and be a slave to sin and experience the wages of that? Or are we going to choose to accept the free gift that puts that sinfulness down and it, we are now dead to that so that we can live a new life. We can live a life where we can become instruments of righteousness to the world around us. And so we are now bringing in good, not only to the world, but to ourselves as well. That's what God desires for each one of us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's just go to him in prayer.